The Air Attack with BC The Man can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. Subscribe and share today. All right, we're back after a break, but we'll be back every week now, as we are every uh, every week during football season. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at BCAK the Man. Follow the show on Twitter at Air Attack Radio, and of course, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Anchor app, maybe somewhere else soon too. I don't know. Never never boring when it comes to stuff like that. Anyway, a uh, lot to get to. Obviously, NFL Week One coming up. Week One in college football is in the books. We will get to all that. We'll get to the gambling stuff, which I know some of you like very much. Uh, we did miss a hectic couple of weeks. Obviously, um, Afghanistan hurricanes. Uh, some people really having some tough times. First of all, the Afghanistan stuff. The bottom line is it's not going well. It just isn't going well. I'm not a, a geopolitics expert or anything of that nature, but I can tell when something's going well and when it's not going well. And when you have people stranded, when you have thousands of people at a filthy airport and then you have 13 Marines getting killed, the last thing anyone wants to hear is that it's, get, that it's going well. Okay, and when that doesn't work, then they tell you from the White House, oh, yeah, uh, the people aren't stranded there. They're fine. And they're not just doing it themselves. They got people in the media pumping these stories out for them. And that's not paranoia or something. This is what's actually happening. It's crazy. And then you get troops that are that are unfortunately sent home in coffins, and the president's checking his watch, and you got stories in the media. No, he wasn't checking his watch. He's on camera checking his watch. He's checking his watch. Whether it's right or wrong, he's checking his watch. Stop telling us. So everything that's happening, oh, that's no, not really happening. No big deal. President's ratings start to tank, so they try to shift the whole subject to COVID. And you get a couple stories that go in the media, one in Rolling Stone, which was like 90% fiction, about people using a horse dewormer in Oklahoma and Mississippi, and they're just jamming up ERs. They're jamming up ICUs. They can't get people in the hospital. Rolling Stone has a picture of a bunch of people that are supposed to be standing outside in Tulsa, and the headline is, gunshot victims can't get into the ER because of all these people taking horse dewormer. The only problem is, none of the people in the picture are bleeding. So which one's supposed to be the gunshot victim? And they're all wearing long winter coats. So which one of them is supposed to be in Tulsa, Oklahoma in August? Makes absolutely no sense. That doesn't work. President's ratings keep tanking. Tank, 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 tank. Now they move on to climate change to get the hurricane. That'll get people off the subject, right? It's climate change. All the vultures jump on. Like, it's always the first hurricane ever. It's always the first time this has ever happened, except it's not the first time it's happened. Okay, the New York City's subways flood again because the hurricane goes to New Orleans, wipes them out, and then makes a right-hand turn, comes straight from my area. Now the New York City subways are all flooded. Hoboken, once again, looks like the city of Atlantis. I mean, it's bad. Now, I want to say something. This was the worst rain I've ever seen in New Jersey, hands down. So maybe there's something to climate change. Maybe there isn't. But it's not the first hurricane. It's not the first time we've had tornado warnings. It's not the second time. It happens. It just happens. I'm not trying to discount people that get hurt by stuff like this. But I'm just telling you, if you're going to go ahead and, and lose your shit when this kind of stuff happens, open up a history book. Go ahead and check, check the weather records going back to the 40s, going back to the 1800s. The most deadly tornado New Jersey ever had was in the 1800s. Now, the buildings probably weren't quite as sturdy back then. I get it. But you also didn't have nearly the population back then either. There were more tornadoes and hurricanes in the 40s than there are now in New Jersey. That's just that's just the truth. So that doesn't work. The president's ratings keep tanking. So now what we're going to do, we're going to shift our focus to an abortion law in Texas and compare people in Texas to the Taliban and tell them that women have it better in Afghanistan, which is weird because no women are actually moving from Texas to Afghanistan, but that's neither here nor there. So it's been a kind of a rough week for the president. Seems to have been getting plenty of rest. Good for him. Now, as far as the abortion thing goes, I know this law in Texas is a little bit over the top. The abortion debate to me is so fascinating, and here's why. I know fascinating is not a word a lot of you would use. I use fascinating, and here's why. On social media, 
it's either women throwing a fit because they may have to have their own kid. And by the way, I've never seen a woman with a kid, with an actual kid doing this. Like, man, I can't believe they maybe have this thing. Look at it. I can't stand it. Get it away from me. It's never like that. Or it's women who are perpetually in a state of gloating over their kids. And it starts right around this time of year. Every back to school. I mean, how many times do you see it? You can't even go on. You can't even go on Facebook or Instagram. It's terrible. I can't believe he's in third grade. I can't believe she's in seventh grade. I can't believe we're sending them to college. Oh, my. I just see it. No one cares. Nobody cares that your kids are going to school. It's not that big of a deal. In a few weeks, Halloween costumes. Then it's Thanksgiving, and here's what you're thankful for. Then here's your little Christmas angel or your Christmas elf or your Christmas star or your Christmas miracle. Then it's here's my little Valentine. This is very big, by the way, with single mothers. As the, especially the, 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 the boys get older, they realize they got to take their mommy on a date for Valentine's Day because daddy's nowhere to be found. That's a different story. Never mind all that. St. Patrick's Day, you got your little leprechaun. Then you got your little Easter bunny. Then it's Mother's Day. And Mother's Day is perhaps the most insufferable of all the Facebook slash Instagram holidays. It's really, really rough. And then it's Father's Day. And if the father's in the picture, we got to glorify the father for making it to a mother. And then it comes full circle. Bottom line, Afghanistan's not going well. That's my point. So no one really cares. When it comes to the abortion thing, people will argue about it left or right. The obsession over it and just the fervor with which people argue this stuff, I've always found to be very just, I mean, fascinating. And I know I'm a guy. I'm not supposed to have an opinion. No, I, I am supposed to have an opinion. That, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Because half of that transaction involves a man anyway, so that's kind of stupid. Anyway, bottom line is, Afghanistan, not good. And if some politician wants your money right now while you're watching this shit unfold in real time, just remember there are people right now without homes or water or food. And there are a ton of really good charities that actually help these people do these things. Uh, get, get the things they need and get back on their feet. Money for politicians, I'm sorry. That should kind of be probably down, down your list of priorities right now. That's my point. But at least the president's rested. That's okay. Long weekend in Delaware, and the, the vice president's probably taking a bubble bath. That's wonderful. Um, speaking of not good, let's go to the Mets. The Mets a couple weeks ago got into a little bit of hot water with fans because Javi Baez did something good. I think he was on second base when he did this, gave a thumbs down sign, and some reporter asked him what he was talking about. And with his child on his lap, by the way, he decided to tell people that he's now booing the fans. I'm not kidding. This is actual real shit. The Mets have been a disaster since the All-Star break. They've been terrible. They're pretty much out of playoff contention. Now, maybe they have a run. In, you could always say that now with the wild card. Maybe they've got one more run in them. You know, they win a few games and, okay, fine. You can live in whatever pipe dream you want to. They're most likely not making the playoffs. They've been terrible. And it happens. And when you're terrible, you get booed. Especially in New York, this is nothing new. Javi Baez, and he, listen, he's, he's an emotional guy. He's a passionate guy. You knew that going in. He decides he's going to try to make an example out of the fans and boo them with his thumbs down antics from second base, and then he's going to announce that publicly. The Mets go into scramble mode. Sandy Alderson issues a statement saying, hey, we don't tolerate this kind of behavior. We're not going to. Here's the real reason. You know, normally you let something like this go, but the real reason, this is sort of like the story within the story in New York, and I think this is probably true in a lot of places. New York is once again requiring vaccines to go to games. The U.S. Open said they weren't going to require vaccines. And I'm like, well, that's kind of weird because it's in New York City. And then, of course, three days later, they announced, yep, vaccines, vaccines for us, too. You, got, you need a vaccine just to go to a restaurant in New York right now. Whether you agree with the rule or don't agree with the rule, that's not what this discussion's about. Just like with the abortion stuff, just like with climate change stuff, all this stuff. I try to keep a very sort of open-minded, objective view of these things. I may think some of this stuff is actually ridiculous, but I try to be fair about it before I decide that it's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Whether I agree, disagree, or am indifferent to the vaccine rules, the impact that they're having is tough to deny. And that is that ticket prices basically have just gone through the floor. I mean, the bottom has fallen out of the secondary ticket market for Yankees games, 
for Mets games and for the U.S. Open. You could have seen Naomi Osaka in round one, which would have been a good idea because she didn't make it much longer than that, uh, for like 20 bucks at the U.S. Open. And this was, pre, this was pre-hurricane stuff. After the hurricane, okay, you figure, you know, tickets are going to get cheaper, obviously. But no, before all that stuff, you could have gotten in that, into that building for like $20, $24. This is to watch the number one player in the world. And whether you like her or not, she's very good at tennis. I mean, come on now. Can't deny all that. Same thing for Djokovic. I think you could you could have seen Djokovic for about the same price. You can get into Mets games right now, I'm not kidding, for like six, seven dollars. And part of that has to do with the quality of the product on the field. But come on, guys, six, seven bucks to get into a Mets game. It's the same thing for Yankees games. I think I said this on the last show. You can go see the Yankees for cheaper in, in the Bronx. I'm sorry, for, for cheaper in the Bronx, yes, than you can in Camden Yards in September. And the September series in Camden Yards is during the middle of the week when kids have school. It makes no sense. But the only thing that does make sense is, yes, because you're, you're requiring people to have vaccines in New York City. So this is a problem. The Mets are having a hard enough time getting people in the stands to begin with. And here's Javi Baez saying, oh, by the way, when we do something good, we're going to boo you guys. So the Mets basically trip all over themselves to get a statement out saying we're not going to tolerate this, not the kind of organization we run. Yada, yada, yada. The whole thing kind of starts dying down. And then a couple days later, the Mets GM gets himself a DUI in White Plains, New York. Now, White Plains, New York is in Westchester County. Nice area. Apparently, he's passed out in his car at like 4 o'clock in the morning in front of the courthouse. And you say, okay, you can't do stuff like that. Now, I'm not going to give a lecture about drinking and driving. I've, I've absolutely been guilty of doing this. Never got caught doing it. Never got in trouble doing it. Most people have done it at some point in their lives. It's silly. It's goofy. It's irresponsible. Okay, fine. I understand it can be very, very dangerous. I get all that. Something else that's probably blown up a little more than it has to be. Now you got, you know, you got legal limits at like 0.08, which is basically like a glass of wine over the course of an hour, and you can flunk a DUI test. It's really not fair. Neither here nor there. You can't go passing out in your fucking car at 4 o'clock in the morning with your general manager of the Mets, and you really just can't go passing out in your car, period. It's dumb. Tony La Russa is having a little issue with that over the last decade. It's just not something you want to be doing, whether you're a high-profile guy or not. But in 2021, there really is no excuse for just getting yourself a ride somewhere. I mean, there's Uber. There's Lyft. And when you're the GM of the Mets, my goodness, there's car services. There's limos. You know, they got champagne and caviar in these things. You're running the Mets. And people saying, well, this isn't really indicative of the Mets thing. This could have happened to anybody. No, it really is indicative of the whole thing at the Mets. It really, really is. The whole thing the Mets have going on, this is kind of a microcosm of the entire thing. It's poor judgment. It's unprofessional. It's silly. It makes no sense. And then you come to find out another little nugget, which somehow Mets fans, I guess, who are just kind of in a perpetual state of denial right now, uh, for, from now, I guess I want to say perpetual, but a, an extended state of denial because the things have just gone to such garbage around them right now. It turns out the GM was hanging out at an event at Steve Cohen's house, the Mets owner. The Mets owner was hosting him and somehow let him lead. Now, either the guy left there shit-faced driving his own car, which why would you, why would you drive to an event where you're serving unlimited alcohol? Why would you drive your own car when you're the GM of the Mets? That makes zero sense whatsoever. So either he left there tanked or he left this event and said, well, now I got to get tanked and then fell asleep in his car. Either way, not good. So Afghanistan not going well. The Mets not going well. What else isn't going well? How about ESPN? ESPN, during their week zero college football coverage, decided to put a high school game on on Sunday. Now, it's IMG Academy, which basically is a bunch of kids that have aspirations of playing Division One football. They're coached by Pepper Johnson, Giants legend Pepper Johnson. So I said, okay, let me, let me check this out. They were on the bottom TV just kind of by accident, sort of left them on, and I noticed IMG has got some players. Okay, nothing new about that. They're also playing a school called Bishop Sycamore. Located somewhere in Ohio that I never heard of, but I never heard of a lot of high school, so who cares? Must be pretty good, though, because they're playing at the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton. Okay. 
And then IMG and Caddy takes a lead, and they go up. And I'm not really watching. I'm watching soccer. I'm watching a bunch of other stuff. I'm, I'm cooking. You know, I got, I got stuff going on. It turns out that Bishop Sycamore isn't really a real high school. In fact, they're not really a real school. They're coached by a guy who apparently is some sort of sort of professional criminal. He has warrants for his arrest for fraud somewhere, but somehow he's on national TV coaching a game against IMG Academy, who somehow dodged a bullet here and hasn't taken any of the heat. Now, ESPN puts this team on TV with no scouting, with no track record whatsoever. Basically, the announcers don't do their, don't do their jobs. So they're so busy at ESPN worrying about getting Maria Taylor out the door and now tanking Rachel Nichols' career for some kind of, I don't, know, I don't know what the point is of all this. They're worried about everything other than doing their jobs over there to the extent that a team that doesn't really even exist, doesn't have a real school. In fact, if you look up their address, it comes down to someone's apartment. I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm not joking. So this is some sort of homeschooling institution for a bunch of kids who flunked out of high school. The only thing is they're all older than high school kids. So this now becomes some sort of liability. So ESPN takes a bunch of heat, which they absolutely should. Somehow these, these guys, this crook of a head coach, gets his like 30, 35-man roster onto national TV, lies and says he has a bunch of college recruits. He doesn't have any First of all, the kids can't get into college because they're all in trouble to begin with, number one. Number two, they suck. They're getting their doors blown off. The guys at ESPN kind of give a half-hearted apology. But my question is, how about IMG Academy? You're one of the top-ranked college football teams in the country. In fact, they have a varsity team, and then they have a national team. They actually have a national team. That's what this is. This is, the, this is where you basically send your kid to go and prep for a couple years to become a star football player, to go to Florida, to go to Georgia, to go to Alabama, okay, to, to, to go to a USC, to go to Texas, go, to, go somewhere big time and get the exposure they need to get themselves into a big time program and eventually the NFL. How on earth did IMG Academy and Coach Pepper Johnson, who I've always been a big fan of because you know, played with the Giants, you know, LT and Carl Banks, he was one of those linebackers there. Big Blue, Big Blue Wrecking Crew. That Pepper Johnson, yes, him. How does he not know that he's playing a bunch of tomato cans who don't really have a school? You say, well, how is he supposed to know? You ever heard of scouting? Have you ever heard of game film? Did he request some tape on this team? Did he go do a little bit of due diligence? IMG Academy wanted a game so badly that they not only booked these guys, they completely ignored the fact that they had no history other than getting their doors blown off all of last season. They flew their team to Canton, Ohio to do it. These are a bunch of high school kids. You think the college game is dirty? Oh, my God. And ESPN? Yeah, no problem, guys. No problem. Yeah, we'll put you on TV. No problem. National, no, no. National, not ESPN+. Plus. There are college games that can't even make their way to ESPN. Division One games. No, high school game. Yeah, but in fact, we're going to give you a standalone game on a Sunday. How's that? No problem. Worldwide leader in sports, folks. Can't make it up. Um, also, they're trying to ruin Jeopardy. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. Mike Richards is out of Jeopardy. Now, he was one of the guest hosts they had when Alex uh, Trebek passed away. He's also the executive producer, and people said, oh, my God, he gave himself the job. You have to understand something. I've been a big Jeopardy fan for a long time. He was the best guest host they had by far. He was better than Ken Jennings. He was better. Now, they had a lot of good ones. Anderson Cooper was good. You know, uh, Bill Whitaker was very good. He's, he's from 60 Minutes. They had a lot of good guest hosts. They also had some really bad ones. Like, Kitty Corrick was, was just absolutely awful. One of the guest hosts they had, and here's who's behind all this nonsense, is LeVar Burton. And I knew this, too. I, first of all, that guy's got me blocked from Twitter because I called him out for being a scam artist years ago for something else. I, I don't want to even get into it. But LeVar Burton is a little weirdo. And as soon as Mike Richards got fired as the host, and then as the executive producer of Jeopardy!, all of LeVar Burton's minions started coming out of the woodwork gloating about how, hey, we did all this. It's ridiculous. He started a campaign online, pretended it was some grassroots thing like he has some huge following. He doesn't. It's him. It's LeVar. I promise you it's LeVar Burton. It's another scam by this little worm. 
gets people to, to go crazy on social media to the point where he gets a, a week of guest hosting that he wasn't supposed to get. And Mike Richards was never supposed to be a guest host either. The only reason they let him guest host was because Aaron Rodgers couldn't make it out to California during COVID. That was it. This wasn't some big setup where Mike Richards was going to give himself the job all along. That's just not how it works. So Mike Richards, next thing you know, has his past dug up, and it turns out in 2013 he's doing a podcast, and he used some nasty language on there about women. And then they dug into his history at The Price is Right, which he, he was the subject of a lawsuit or two at the, at the Price is Right. Now, Drew Carey actually got his back and said, listen, I never saw any of this kind of behavior that people alleged. He was actually very nice to all the women, all the models, whatever. Can't speak to what he said on some podcast, but whatever. He called women frumpy. He made fun of their appearance. People go crazy. They go nuts. Say he's got to go, including Jeopardy James, James Holtzauer. James Holtzauer was a nobody two, three years ago. Mike Richards makes him a household name, and now he turns on him just like that. Snap of a finger. Maybe he's got a frumpy wife himself. Maybe that's his problem. Neither here nor there. Mike Richards is now out. Sony, Sony Television says, listen, we can't have someone like this representing the show, yada, yada, yada. Does anybody not realize that Sony also has a music division? And I'm not anti-rap. Obviously, you're listening to it in the background right now. But my God, if you've got such a problem with bad language, do we have to go over some of the rap artists that you represent on your music label? What an absolute farce. And Lila LeVar Burton's fans that are all, all bragging about all the stuff they did. Come on, give me a break, guys. Yeah, I mean, you make me, LeVar Burton's not going to be the host of that show. If he is, I'll just never watch again. But he basically, he got a week and totally tanked. Everyone said the same thing. He sucked. And people tried to use the excuse that he was going up against the Olympics. The Olympics aren't live when Jeopardy is on. Okay, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock p.m. here is like 6 or 7 in the morning in Tokyo. The, the Olympics weren't live. One has absolutely nothing to do with the other. I'm sorry. When you're not good, you're not good. Make it a little more obvious who's behind that, though. That was terrible. So now Mike Richards doesn't have a job at Jeopardy at all. Or Wheel of Fortune, too. He was doing both shows. My question is, how does he leave? And if I am him, I'm not going anywhere until you guarantee, my, guarantee me, excuse me, my money. I want that. If I'm Mike Richards, I want that Megyn Kelly deal. Oh, you can fire me all you want, but you're still going to pay me all my money. And people can go ahead and laugh about it all they want. Be the, be the greatest vacation ever. My God. So, yeah, that's just, you know, like I said, certain people try to ruin whatever they can. Just how it is. Okay, let's get to the gambling. Week one in college football is in the books. Week zero, I really don't count. I thought week zero was a joke, by the way. You didn't really have a lot of good games. There are certain schools and certain conferences that should have gotten involved in Week Zero, like the Mountain West, Rutgers. See, to me, Rutgers, I would, I would use Week Zero if I were Rutgers and say, look, we want to be the first game every year because we're the birthplace of football. Use that for recruiting. And I think Greg Schiano's done a good job, you know, getting some guys in there. They just got a big-time high school quarterback to give up his senior year of high school to go enroll at Rutgers. Now he's on the team. So, I mean, he's doing a good job over there. That's the kind of school that should play in Week Zero, but these... You know, Illinois, Nebraska was terrible. UCLA, Hawaii. UCLA said they had 34,000 people in that building. I, I, I'm telling you right now, I'd be shocked if they had half that. The Galaxy and LAFC played a game the same day, and I am positive they have more people in that stadium. That stadium only holds about 25,000 people. It's a joke. So week zero to me, very anticlimactic. And UCLA, along with the rest of the Pac-12, deserves every bad thing they get because the Pac-12 is still bearing its product on their own network. And go to week one in college football. They had three ranked teams. Oregon, USC, Washington. Now, Washington ends up losing to Montana. Losing, they lost at home to Montana in their season opener. But you couldn't watch it because it was on Pac-12 Network. Maybe you can. I can't. And I'm not switching cable companies for that piece of garbage conference. I'm sorry. I give them credit. They had a team in the Final Four last year, but they've been pulling this now for a while. They're getting worse and worse and worse, and their performance was a joke this, this weekend. It just was terrible. Oregon was losing to Fresno State in the fourth quarter this weekend. It was bad. 
So nothing, I wouldn't say anything incredibly noteworthy. Um, although, ironically enough, UCLA beats LSU. That's considered a big win. People think that's going to get them ranked. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. I agree with Chip Kelly. Who cares? The rankings just don't mean that much right now. Bear in mind everything LSU has had to go through. I mean, they were completely uprooted by the hurricane. You know, so the hurricane didn't just uproot them. It sent the Tulane game to Oklahoma. Oklahoma almost lost at home to Tulane, by the way. Um, it sent uh, LSU into Texas, and then they traveled from there to... Uh, to, uh, to Los Angeles, and obviously the Saints and the, the Packers are going to play in Jacksonville in week one, which something we'll get to in a minute. Penn State with a big win at Wisconsin, a game that was scoreless at halftime. Uh, Penn State wins 16-10. to They missed an extra point and a short field goal in this game. So a little bit better of a performance than maybe it looks like on paper by Penn State. They hold on late. Hold a, what's supposed to be a pretty good quarterback from Wisconsin. They hold him down. Other than that, Ohio State was pretty dominant at Minnesota. They won that game by 14. They should have won that game by at least three touchdowns. Roughing the passer call, which was ridiculous. Uh, called back an interception that Ohio State had. Ohio State's got to work on defense, though. I would love to say that Oregon plus 14.5 is a good value this week, but I can't tell you that because I can't see Oregon because their first two games have been buried where, of course, Pac-12 network, Pac network. So I don't know. My first look at them will be this Sunday on DVR, of course. They're playing at noon. That's a rough one, too. I know Fox wants to do standalone games at noon. Do you have to make Oregon go to Ohio State and play that game at noon? Why couldn't that game be at 4 o'clock or something? I don't get that. That, that to me, doesn't seem very fair. Then again, I'm not going to go crying for, for the Pac-12. North Carolina's ranked 10th in the country. They go into Blacksburg and lose. They're just not very good this year. Wide receivers dropping passes everywhere. Their defense didn't even look that good. I mean, it was just good enough. They got a couple turnovers here and there, but Braxton Burmeister, the quarterback from Virginia Tech, I thought was the better quarterback in the game, to be honest with you. That, that, was, just, that was just my opinion. So, I mean, you can you know say, say what you want about it, but I just thought that was the, the better quarterback. Oregon transfer, I never thought North Carolina was going to be that good this year. I know Virginia Tech's a tough place to play, yada, yada. Well, there you go. So North Carolina's pretty much out of it. I mean, you figure they're not going to beat Clemson. Clemson had a very tough go of it against Georgia. I mean, just three points. Now, Georgia's only touchdown was on defense in this game. This game was just an absolute slugfest. Two teams that are very, very good on defense. You figure it's not really going to hurt Clemson, though, because who's really going to beat Clemson in the ACC? But what happens if they, if they can't run the table now? What happens if they lose a game in the ACC? Is a two-loss Clemson team going to make the playoff later in the year? Or is this something we're, we're not really ready to worry about yet? We'll see. Iowa State just gets by Northern Iowa. They seem like they throw one of those in there every single year. Iowa State ranks seventh in the country. They play Iowa this week. That's going to be a big game. Iowa blew the doors off of Indiana. So nothing too, too crazy other than maybe Washington losing at home to Missouri in week one. You've got a sort of a, a sort of flat week coming up here. That's not a really good week, too. I know Oregon, Ohio State, the game at noon. That's probably the one you all want to see. Iowa, Iowa State at 430. And then you're your primetime game on ABC is Washington against Michigan, and that just lost a little bit of its luster since Washington's season is basically over at this point. Now, NFL stuff. I'm going to go around every game quickly as I try to touch on all the, all the teams here. Before we get to this, though, remember one thing. Um, we have legalized gambling all over the country now. New Jersey's got it. Arizona's about to get it. You got it in Pennsylvania. New York can't get out of its own way. Florida's trying to get it. Louis, a lot of places are trying to get it. But you have a lot of legalized gambling now, and you've got you know big names out there that are trying to advertise to get your business. Beware of these companies, I am telling you right now, because what's going on, uh, this has become like a standard here, is you have to worry about a few things. One is actually getting your money out of them. Number two is when they run a promotion telling you you got a risk-free this or a free bet here or a free bonus money, you better read all the fine print because a lot of times there are requirements where you have to deposit a bunch of money first. You don't just get to go bet 500 bucks. You got to put 500 bucks in. And then if you lose that bet, you get another bet worth 500 bucks. So it's not really risk-free. 
Okay, that, that's not that's really just not how it works. Like you don't get to put five hundred bucks in, lose that five hundred dollar bet, and say, okay, we'll give my money back. That's not how it works. Now that that five hundred dollars is there in credits, and you have to bet that. So there's really no such thing as risk free with some of this stuff. The other thing to look out for is if you start winning, okay, some of these sites are going to cut you off to the point where you can only bet like a hundred bucks at a time or seventy bucks at a time. They've been doing it all over the country. Now, a lot of a lot has been made about this. So perhaps this will turn around, but you have to tread very carefully and you better have accounts at multiple sites if you're going to be getting involved with these quote unquote regulated sports books. It's one reason why I think the guy at the deli is probably going to stay in business for a pretty long time. Just how it is. Also, remember, follow me on Twitter at, at BCAK the man. Follow the show on Twitter at Air Attack Radio as we get to the gambling in the NFL this week. You have the Cowboys of the Bucks. The Bucks now are up to a minus an eight point favorite. Something's up with this line because this should not the, the the Bucks should not be favored by eight over the Cowboys. I know the Cowboys defense hasn't been so great, but it's also healthy now. You can make a case their secondary isn't really the greatest in the world, but with Dak Prescott coming back and an offensive line healthy with the Cowboys, that's way too many points. Now maybe I'm missing something here. Usually when I see a line that high, I say, wait, there's something I'm not getting at. You know, something something that's that I'm not catching right here. But to me, that opening night game with the Bucks minus eight. I think that might just be a function of so many people with the last memory they have of the Bucks just destroying the Chiefs. I don't think it's going to be that kind of year for the Bucks. I, I just don't. I mean, remember something. In the Super Bowl, the Chiefs had their offensive line completely destroyed. Their quarterback had a foot injury you didn't know too much about. I, I, I'm sorry. The Bucks could have lost the games to either the Saints or the Packers in their playoff run. I think they'll have a good year. They got all their starters back. I think I, I think they're going to have a very good year. But should they be eight points? Should they be more than a touchdown favorite over the Cowboys? To me, that's pretty generous. Eagles and Falcons, I want absolutely no part of either one of these teams. I think they're both going to be terrible on defense. I think the offenses could be a little shaky with some some new personnel, both on and off the field. Um, that is just a wait and see kind of game. Now the total is forty eight. You say if the defenses suck. Now I don't I don't trust the offenses either. I really don't. No more Julio Jones. Kyle Pitts is a guy I want to watch for the Falcons. That's a guy who I think is big time, big time offensive rookie of the year potential. Bills and Steelers. This seems like the sucker bet of the day. The, the, the Bills just seem like a sucker bet here, minus six and a half. Josh Allen, I don't know. I think once, once you have a year of film on him playing really well, I think you'll have adjustments here. I think the Steelers are going to be a good defensive team. The Steelers, to me, in this game, if they can keep it low scoring, if they can get a good performance out of Najee Harris and just sort of mix it up a little bit, I don't love the fact that they brought Ben Roethlisberger back, but it's not like they have a lot of other options there. I, I'm telling you right now, this just this just has sucker bet written all over it for people looking to back the Bills minus six and a half. I think this actually becomes kind of a low scoring game. I think that's the kind of style the, the Steelers are going to play this year. You see, they went running back and tight end of the draft with Fryer Muth from Penn State. I, obviously, Najee Harris from Alabama. I just think they're going to try to play a pounded out kind of style. I like their defense, though. I think their defense is pretty decent in Pittsburgh. So I don't know. I, I could just see one Josh Allen mistake, just one of those passes getting getting sent in there with a little too much heat. You know, a strange bounce, make it Fitzpatrick. I does something here. To me, this is just a dangerous game for the Bills. But again, it's week one. Week one, a lot of things happen. The Vikings are three-point favorites at the Bengals. I don't know what to make of the Bengals. Their defense, I don't think, is going to be much better, but I do think their offense will be. If their offensive line can play well and Joe Burrow is okay, a lot of ifs here, right? They obviously have some weapons. That's the, that's the direction they want to go. They're going to try to outscore teams. Problem is, Minnesota can outscore teams too, as long as they can block. If Minnesota can block, they should have a pretty good year. They get some guys back on defense. They added a couple, a couple bodies there too. The Niners go into Detroit. I think you have a team in the Niners that's going to have a big year. Okay, you had nothing but injuries last year, so I'm a little cautious. Nothing but injuries. The offensive line was destroyed. George Kittle couldn't stay in the field. Mostert couldn't stay in the field. The wide receivers were all banged up. The secondary was banged up. Everyone was hurt for this team. Quarterback was all over the place. Jimmy G's going to start, it looks like. Okay, that's fine. I think they're going to be able to manhandle 
the Lions. I just, I just don't think the Lions can can stop them on the defensive line. I don't think the Lions' offensive line is going to hold up this year. They try to make a few changes on defense. Add into all that the fact that Jared Goff is now their starting, starting quarterback, and obviously the Niners are quite familiar with his work. I just think it's going to be a rough year for Detroit. I know they got a new coach, a rah-rah coach, but I just don't see a lot of substance there. We're going to talk about the Niners again in a second at the end of the show. Cardinals and Titans. The over-under here, 52. Okay, Tennessee's minus three, a total of 52. You got a new offensive coordinator for the Titans. Now, he's part of the same program, so maybe things don't change that much. They bring in Julio Jones. Like, that's going to make a lot of difference, but they also lost some guys. They lost Adam Humphreys. They lost Jonu Smith there. To me, this total of 52 is another sucker bet. Everyone's wanting to bet this over. I, don't, I, I just don't see that happening. I think this is, if anything here, this is a game where you lean to the under. Why? Remember in that playoff game against the Ravens, how good of a job the Titans did against Lamar Jackson making him throw? I think that's what they do to Kyler Murray here. Now, I'm not running to bet the under by any stretch of the imagination. It's 52 for a reason. But I'm just telling you, a Tennessee team that might come out of the gate a little conservative, might want to feature Derrick Henry, might want to run the clock a little bit, who also did a really good job containing a big-time running quarterback last year. I don't know. I'm not running to bet that. I'm not running to bet that under, but I'm definitely not taking that over. That, to me, that over is the sucker bet of the week. Here's another one. The Seahawks are two-and-a-half-point favorites over the Colts. Now, Carson Wentz is going to start. How healthy is Carson Wentz? Because the Colts actually have a halfway decent roster. Okay, a couple changes here on the offensive line. Defense is a little banged up. Okay, fine. But Carson Wentz is now your starting quarterback. Question becomes, how good is the Seahawks' defense this year? You figure their offense is going to be different. What kind of philosophy are they going to take with the offense? Is there going to be a problem with Russell Wilson again, wanting to throw more than they want to let him? Very, very strange game there. Chargers go into Washington. If this game were later in the year, I would probably be all over the Chargers. The problem is they have a new offensive line going up against one of the best defensive front sevens in the, in the league in Washington. Okay. Am I jumping to bet either team here? No, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna not gonna touch this game. But I would like to, I would probably be inclined to take the Chargers if this were week three, week four, week five, something like that. But with a brand new offensive line going up and chase going up against Chase Young and all those guys, no thanks. And I know with Ryan Fitzpatrick, sometimes it's sort of heaven or hell, so it makes his games a little tougher to handicap. I get all that. Uh, Sam Darnold tries to get revenge against the Jets in week one here. You can see Zach Wilson. That lines up to Carolina minus five. I want no part of that game either way. Uh, I, I kind of like Carolina minus three as, uh, as the season was getting underway. I think Carolina will have a, a better year. And I think Sam Darnold could be a, a prime play, a comeback player of the year candidate. I really, really do. I think that's kind of a fascinating game to watch. Zach Wilson is the real deal, though. He really is. I think a lot of things could happen in that game. So no interest right there. Obviously, no interest in the Jags and Texans because I'm not a complete degenerate. Uh, interesting enough here, no Deshaun Watson. Tyrod Taylor starting for the Texans. That's what they think of, I guess, his situation right now. Just just how it is. Browns and Chiefs, fascinating game. KC's still a six-point favorite. I think that's too many points. Of course, KC can be explosive. Browns defense wasn't the greatest last year. I'll kind of wait and see here. Brand new offensive line for the Chiefs. Quarterback that just had a kid. I don't know. Not, I'm not running out to go bet against the Chiefs every week here. I'm just saying they could definitely burn some cash. <laughs> they could definitely make you look foolish this year if you're not careful. Um, Dolphins-Patriots. Patriots, three-point favorite, 43 and a half is the total. Very interesting now. Tua against Mac Jones. Two Alabama kids will go head-to-head. -head. Cam Newton gets cut. Cam Newton's in an impossible spot now because no one wants him to be a— he's just, too, he's just too big of a personality to be a backup quarterback. You know what I mean? He just is. He just he attracts a lot of attention. He's probably going to want some money. I don't know who's going to sign him. I think he hangs out and waits for someone to get hurt at quarterback. That's really what I think. And he may not he may not get another job. That might just be how it is. And it'd be unfortunate for him, but this is how it works. There was talk about him possibly because he's not vaccinated. Maybe that was part of the reason. If that's true, Bill Belichick's not going to tell you one way or another. That's just how it goes. Uh, Packers and Saints. Packers are four-point favorites um, as the road team, but of course the game is now played in Jacksonville. The Saints will have had enough time to adjust uh, to, to life basically outside of New Orleans here. 
Um, I think the Saints, how can I put this? The Saints might actually be better this year. Now, the defense is the big question because they're rotating a lot of guys in. They lost some guys. They lost Hendrickson. They lost a couple other guys to, uh, to other teams. For, you know, Alex Anzalone is no longer there. I think he's down the lines. Um, basically, just, just money issues. And they have guys that are, that are new on defense. That's fine. Offensive line is back. I think they take a step up. I don't care if Michael Thomas is there or not. I don't think Michael Thomas is nearly as critical to that offense as a lot of you do. I know he's important. I know he's very good. He's not that important when you got Alvin Kamara. And the key here is Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is your starter. If Taysom Hill was your starting quarterback, I'd say, okay, you know what? They're going to take a step back. Jameis Winston gives you more of a deep ball threat that you've had uh, you know, in basically three or four years. And Taysom Hill, you know, he's, he's not the deep ball threat that Jameis is. But that's not, the, that's not really the point. The point is the change of pace when he comes into play quarterback. Or now when you play him at tight end, he just adds a wrinkle to that offense. I don't know why you ever would have started him to begin with as, as the quarterback. Why would you want to do that? I think that what you have to game plan for without Taysom Hill as a starting quarterback is much tougher than with him. And I think the Saints become a live underdog here. I mean, four points. I, I, could, see them, I could see them keeping this game close. Then again, you go into that's Aaron Rodgers, week one, a guy who's going to be, now you say he's going to be laser focused as his last year in Green Bay, but he also missed a lot of training camp. I think it's a very interesting game. Broncos Giants, Teddy Bridgewater's the starter for the Broncos. I'm surprised at that. I really thought they brought him in to sort of light a fire under Drew Locke. I thought Drew Locke looked pretty good in the preseason. Hey, what do I know? Giants very well could be without Saquon Barkley. That's a problem for them. Broncos have a lot of weapons. They really, really do. And Drew Locke's lack of accuracy was a big problem for them. Over the last couple of years, I guess that's why you bring Teddy Bridgewater in. Maybe they really do think they can win now. They're in a very competitive division, obviously, uh, in the NFC West, or the AFC West. Excuse me. But what's kind of underrated about Denver to me, and I, I just and I was on them a lot of times last year as a as a team total over their weapons. I mean, KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick. I mean, Noah Fan. These are these are big time players. If they can just get the ball into their hands, okay, and on target, they're very dangerous. They're bringing the running back from North Carolina. Could be a tough day for the Giants, and it's it's not a that's narrowly not a statement against the Giants' defense. But if the Giants' offense is stagnant coming out of the gate, if they don't block for Daniel Jones, or God forbid, Daniel Jones has a problem turning the ball over again, and you're giving the Broncos short fields, they're going to make you pay. I'm sorry, they just are. They they absolutely are. Prime time Sunday night Bears Rams. The Rams have been a seven and a half point favorite basically the entire time. They bring in Matthew Stafford. I thought one of the better defenses, if not the best defense in the NFL last year, was the Rams, especially from start to finish. They lose a couple guys in that trade with Jared Goff. Um, to me, remember something. Matthew Stafford and the Bears have some familiarity. If you look at the numbers, Matthew Stafford's done quite well against the Bears, and that was playing with the Lions receivers and the Lions offensive line. Now you get week one, Sean McVay, one of the better offensive lines in the league, to go up against the Bears and Andy Dalton. I think this is a rough night for the Bears. We'll come back to that in a minute. And then Monday night, you got the Ravens who are banged up. You got no J.K. Dobbins. Hollywood Brown's been a little banged up. Rashad Bateman, the young receiver out of Minnesota, he's not going to play. They got a lot of injuries there in Baltimore. They're laying four and a half in Vegas. And I think that's the first time the Raiders are going to have fans right at their fancy new ballpark. I think that's a fascinating Monday night game. Could be a lot of fun, too, because let's face it, the Raiders, the Raiders can score. They just don't play defense. So I think that could be a very, very interesting night. I'm not running to lay four and a half on the road there with the Ravens by any stretch of the imagination. Now, what are we going to do in week one as far as picks go? Well, week one is usually a week where I tread very lightly. Um, you have to use some common sense here. And I'm going to come back to a couple teams that I just talked about in the Niners and the Rams. We're going to go two-team teaser here. One of my favorite things to do. Did very well with them last year. If you listen to the show, then you are well aware of how well we do with these. The Niners, I think, are primed for a very big year. But but as a 7.5-point favorite to tease them down to 1.5 against Detroit, I don't see them losing this game. I don't see them having a problem winning this game by two. I think, I think Detroit just cannot handle 
uh, the Niners basically in the trenches. I don't think that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to do a lot of work here. I think they keep this kind of methodical uh, for Kyle Shanahan. And the Niners have seen Jared Goff. And Jared Goff, I don't, I don't believe, has any reason, uh, gives them any reason to be scared, especially now he's not, he's not hiding behind the Rams' offensive line. This is the Lions' offensive line. And I don't think people have given Matthew Stafford nearly enough credit for the fact that he was able to run for his life and basically escape from Detroit and still be a quality, quality NFL quarterback. And that brings us to the Rams. Matthew Stafford has had success against the Bears, and the Bears have played the Rams the last three years. They actually were able to win in Chicago a couple years back in 2018 on a frigid, and I mean frigid, Sunday night in Soldier Field. But even that game, they couldn't move the ball. Last two years, they've averaged less than three yards a carry. So what does that do? That puts pressure on Andy Dalton. Is that really a good sign? Is that really a good place for the Bears to be behind that offensive line with Aaron Donald and company coming at you? I just don't think it is. And that's the first time the Rams will have fans in their brand new stadium. That's We have that dynamic going as well. I'm going to take the Niners and the Rams, tease them both down. They just both happen to be seven and a half my favorites. I'm going to tease them both down to minus one and a half. Two-team teaser. That's the pick for this week, and that is all the time we got this week on The Air Attack. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you check out Facebook.com slash The Air Attack. Also, follow me on Twitter at BCAK The Man. Follow the show on Twitter at Air Attack Radio. And remember, The Air Attack with BC The Man can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. Subscribe and share today. Going to close it out tonight with the guy who opens every Air Attack. Here is Lace Checkmate. I am BC The Man. I will see you guys next week on The Air Attack.
I'm in it to win it, uh, I thought I told ya, I need that money, I need that dough, I got some, but I want some more, I sacrificed my life for this, so I need an icy wrist, I need the big whips that come with the business, y'all know the business, and y'all know what is this, I'm dropping that hot shit to show y'all I got this, a lot of y'all be grinding, but not many like this, that's why y'all like this, that's why y'all feel me, most people will love me, maybe someone kill me, Either way, this the real me. Situations change, but I'ma still be Lace, I don't pay my dues, I don't put in my time. Not a game is mine. Checkmate, come on, checkmate, come on, checkmate, come on, checkmate, yeah. I am playing games, homie, not a game is over. I am playing games, homie, not a game is over. Cause it's checkmate, come on, checkmate, come on, checkmate, come on, checkmate. Five, independent on that grind, yeah, this the new me, baby, 305 the world wide, I'm laced 